This is Nick with R5 Podcast. I'd like to mention to all of our listeners that uh, on March 19th, Former TSR artist Jim Brosloff passed away. Uh, he was one of the uh, leaders in uh, the TSR bullpen for artists, and he hired on people like Errol Otis and Jeff D. Uh, when he was part of that staff, he also did some contributions to some of the artwork, particularly Keep on the Borderlands. He did the uh, cover art for that. Queen of the Demon Web Pits, Ghost Tower, Inverness, and um, also did a hardcover rulebook deities and demigods. He did some artwork in there, amongst other things. So we'd just like to pause for a moment and recognize him for all of his contributions he's done. Roll for Initiative. Okay, folks, welcome to the Roll for Initiative podcast, issue number 47. The crew is back together. Myself, DM Vince. DM Jason's back. Hello. <laughs> and DM I am Nick. back. And DM Nick is here as usual. And I am front. No, we're already starting <laughs> off like that now. So yes, welcome back. <laughs> So, Jason, how's it been for the last couple of weeks for you? We haven't heard from you in a little while. Yeah, well, it's been pretty fun, although um, I should point out that right now I ought to be in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and I'm pretty bummed about that. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah Gary Khan is going on right now. I bought my badge, but I couldn't afford to actually uh, go. So that's a shame. I, I, bas- I sat down, looked at the budget, and realized there's only so many – you know, airplane tickets and hotels you can do in one year. You have to limit the cons. So uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to GaryCon this year. But I hear that everybody's having a blast. Um, and so hopefully we'll get some reports back from the guys over at uh, Dead Game Society as well as some of the Red Box uh, New Yorkers that are out there right now. So mm-hmm. looking forward to hearing more. Definitely. And uh, Nick, what about you? Yes. What have you been doing? Uh, well, as far as the gaming situation, I thought I had our monthly game last <laughs> night. We were supposed to have it, but I was wrong. <laughs> I forgot my friend was out of town, and so we weren't able to do it. So that's okay. It just gives you more time to prep. So, um, not much on the gaming situation. I'll have to wait till next month. Cool. All right, well, you know, it'll happen. Don't, yeah. force, don't force the game. It'll happen. Yeah, you know, when you turn 40, your mind goes and... Everything else goes with it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, boy. Well, um, I'm wrapping up Book of Sorrows. Finally, that campaign will be ending. Really? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they're, they're, they have the last two uh, episodes coming up, and then this Thursday we'll be recording the last and final one. And then there's going to be a Q&A session that goes up for people who ask a bunch of questions during the uh, the show. And oh, very nice. That'll be pretty much it. I mean, I don't know if I'll be doing another actual play podcast, but but... Not only do we have Jason's podcast, mine, we also have Drama Man, who's stepped up and put a community podcast up on our feed as well there, too. Awesome. You say? So we have three different styles of DMs, Jason's, mine's, and Drama Man's. Very nice. cool. 
So we uh, we thank him for for taking the initiative to do that on his own. Uh, he got a little worked out a little bit of bugs, but it's going pretty well so far. And story's interesting. Take a look or listen, I should say, and enjoy. Cool. And you can go to uh, rfiactualplay.tk to listen to all those wonderful podcasts, and ask Jason and I to continue with ours if we have time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So uh, the website, we had one article I saw by Todd Hughes. I think it was called I Had a Crush on You. I've got a crush yeah, on you. I've got a crush on you. Yes. As in the Screamin' Jay Hawkins. <laughs> uh, you guys remember Screamin' Jay Hawkins? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, kind of godfather of, of Marilyn Manson and everybody else back in the 1950s. We used to go out there with a skull on a stick and everything like that. Actually, I think Marilyn Manson did a cover of his song. Anyways, uh, yeah, so there's a uh, there's a, a new article up by him. Uh, I, I think the Death Became Them article that you guys probably had a chance to talk about last time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely go and check out the latest from Todd Hughes. And, uh, you know, oh, there's one other thing we wanted to talk about on the uh, site for anybody that's having a little trouble with the forum. And if you have any problems on the site, like Jason said, as he slowly dropped out because of Skype, as usual, uh, there's a black bar that's been popping up on the top of uh, the Roll for Initiative site. It has to do with the WordPress upgrade, and it's really annoying for some people. I know myself, and Jason experienced it. But we figured out, go to your profile, which you can go through the middle of the page. It'll say, welcome your name, and there's a profile button there. Go on to that and go onto personal options where it says show admin bar and, and unclick when viewing site and they'll get rid of that bar if you're running into that problem. I know some people have been, so. Yes, yeah, and it's uh, it's funny. I, I keep trying to not upgrade the site because I'm afraid <laughs> of stuff happening and then finally take a chance and do it and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, so. And guess what? Oh, my, there's the biggest rat I've ever seen right outside my back door. I love New York. Sorry, guys. Oh, Huge. It's like seriously something out of the Princess Bride. Is it something you okay, can well, find the dungeon? How in many the hit cat? dice? Yeah. How many hit oh, dice? Oh, this is this is a this is a rat of unusual size. It's definitely got at least one plus one. Oh, oh wow. nasty. Yeah, nasty. but I'm like I'm like fifth, sixth level. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I need you here with a broadsword because this guy is just nasty looking. Sorry, oh. my teleportation. I thought it was a. I thought it was a cat or something sheesh anyway um, Uh, aren't you glad you don't live here i'm glad yeah all i have to do with deer running out in the middle of the road in wee hours of the morning about the same size really i gotta tell you (laughs) i'm I'm so glad that i don't live in new york anymore (laughs) all right let's get back to the show anyway 129 days till gen con Counting down. Days, one hour, five minute, and forty five seconds as we speak. Yes, as, and, we, as the counter's going on. Yes, Jace. And and I th- the the uh, sign up for events is coming up very soon, like within the next week. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Could we also do a counter for Origins too? No, Maybe we don't care about Origins. <laughs> we do care about Origins. <laughs> let's keep one. Let's keep one counter up at a time, though. It might get confusing. But uh, what? Origins. When is Origins? Tell us the it's date. A, well, Origins is uh, in June. Let me check on the actual dates here. Well, get back to us on that, and we'll work on that. Yeah, it's. I think it's on June twenty second. I'm almost. I'm almost. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to count down for Mepicon, which happens on April eighth. 
Yeah, it's uh, June 22nd through the 26th of this year. Okay. So I'm, I'm hoping to go. It looks, it looks like it. Well, so. I, I know definitely I'll be at Gen Con. Jason will be at Gen Con. Yep. We're, we're, I'm running two games. I don't know about Jason. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't sign up to run anything this year because th- I'm just getting a little bit overwhelmed. So I just want to be able to go and uh, yeah. play everybody else's. Yeah, I'm running. I might, ju- I might just do some pickup games at Origins myself. Cool. But I know we're doing an official meetup the Thursday uh, of Gen Con at 11 at the Omni. Oh. So we'll do the same thing we did last year. We'll all go there. We'll get the big table, and Jason will order a cup of coffee so we can all sit there. Yes. <laughs> everybody gets stinking drunk. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, was, everybody was, drinks coffee. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's how we <laughs> met Matt, our producer, was at, at the meetup. So, you know, maybe we'll meet some more, more cool new people this time. It was funny. Jason ordered a cup of coffee. We got a whole table with like 12 people. Yep. <laughs> wow. Hey, we bought something. Hey, I bought something. <laughs> anyway. That counts. That counts. You're right. So we'll uh, head into... Uh... Oh, wait. We do have any stars this week, uh, Nick? Why, yes, we do. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we got uh, three different people sending in five-star reviews. All right. Uh, first one. Yeah, first one is uh, from... Christopher Longstreet gave us five stars. AD&D at its finest. And he says, yeah, this is a really cool one. This podcast is up. Did someone fall? (laughs) I think the rat got him. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know you heard that. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. I'm using my mace because I'm a cleric and I don't have any edged weapons. Whoa. (laughs) Anyway, he says, this podcast is outstanding example of quality entertainment. The format is excellent, family-friendly, extremely professional. Imagine NPR meets Dragon Magazine for an in-depth weekly AD&D discussion. <laughs> I wish. I want to hear that show. That sounds like a great show. What, Let's go NPR? listen to that one instead. NPR, NPR meets Dragon Magazine. That's awesome. Wow. So the program is set up in a nice array of segments and transitions that focus on dis- different aspects of gaming, uh, ranging from the rules to uh, various uh, uh, rules to entertainment. Discussion keeps a nice pace, getting to the point quickly, not creating too much banter or joking on topics. Except for this time. (laughs) DM Vince, Jason, and Nick have a great report with each other, bringing different gaming styles to the quintessential table. What? That's rapport, actually. Yeah, I think you might rapport, yeah. (laughs) Not rapport. He says quintessential table. Yeah. Great rapport. That's what I said. Yeah, okay. Did I say report? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. We, we, I read we do what's have, in front of me. <laughs> we do have a good report as well, so. It might have, we might have a good yes. report together. Yes. yes. In, addition, in addition, interviews with classic game designers and figures in the industry as well, live coverage of Gen Con really bring the game experience home. So thank you, Christopher Longstreet. And we got one from William the Great Third. Five stars, a great podcast to spend time on. He says it's a great podcast that covers AD&D from the late 70s to the mid-80s. When it comes to AD&D, they know their stuff and keep it fun and informative. Creature features a joy to listen to, along with tales from the great DM Joe. (laughs) Beware of the pronunciation, Noel. Ah, That'd be me. Gnoll. Gnoll. Yes. I don't. I don't think that's so. Uh, and uh, go with on. Last one we got is uh, from John Drew. It says Dragon Magazine lives. 
with the exclamation point. Wow. <clears throat> and it's called Roll for Initiative. Sadly, first edition D&D is considered more of a curiosity by the actual holders of the copyright as they push their latest edition of the game. This podcast more than makes up for it with three insightful hosts who takes us through the creatures, character classes, treasures, and worlds that make up for Sedition D&D. Definitely a must-listen for people like me who refuse to move before the first edition. So. <laughs> Remember, Thank opinions you, viewed from iTunes are not exactly the views of the creators of Roll for Initiative podcast. <laughs> oh. Thank you, everybody, for the very nice words. Yes, thank you, everyone. That's wonderful stuff. And keep them coming because any reviews that you give us on iTunes, you know, pushes up us up further on top of the stack. Is that correct, uh, Jason and Vince? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Used to be. I don't know if they do it anymore. But probably could be. It's just, it's just nice. So it's nice, it's, yeah. it's nice to hear we're doing good um, work. Yeah. <laughs> Let's edit the sage advice. Sage Advice. So, Sage Advice this week, we actually... Oh boy, I'm unprepared because we actually have a voicemail. We do, yes. And I'm going to play it right now, guys. So, here we go. Hey, guys. This is Full On Gamer. Just wanted to throw in my two cents in on the subject of crits. I use crits. I love crits. I like crits. I use them all the time. I have all kinds of variety of systems I use for crits, depending on the game. Uh, I've even got, recently, the Paizo Critical Hits and Fumbles. Uh, card decks. Uh, I've used the Rollmaster and the Lord of the Rings critical tables, which are really interesting and fun, uh, much like the Woofer ones. But my old standby is and always will be the Good Hits, Bad Misses crit table out of the Best of Dragon magazines. The thing is, a lot of people don't use that table right because, yeah, it's got your dull damage, then it's got your triple damage, then it has your big long list of all the weird special effects. And the reason people mock that table is because they think, oh, you lost an arm. That's it. And you took damage. No, that's triple damage and you lose an arm. And on top of that, I throw in the common sense thing of if you just lost your arm, you lost maybe a quarter of your base hit points on top of triple damage. When you do that, you're not going to have the one-eyed, one-legged, one-handed dwarf hopping along with his axe in his teeth coming after you. He's going to be down. He's going to be down for the count pretty fast if he gets that many crits on him. So, good hits, bad misses for the win. Well, thanks, Full On Gamer. That was pretty cool of you to call in there. What do you guys think? Beware of one-legged dwarves. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I use the the table that he's talking about, the one that came out of Dragon Magazine, but I've never actually seen the um, Paizo Publishing one. Have you guys seen that one before? Yeah, I no. yeah, I have. Is what's it like? I've, I've, I didn't even know it existed. I haven't actually looked at it itself. I know it's in a package of. Uh, it's a special thing you have to buy. Uh huh. So, what issue of Dragon Magazine was that critical hit table out of? James? Best of. Yeah, it's it's what it's volume? in a best of. Uh, I'm gonna say volume two. I could actually take a look. Really? And see. Well, let's see. I've got volume two. It just happens to be right in front of me. So let's it's right next to me too. Open up the old bag. Race to um, it. Go. Yeah, you'll probably win. Um, let's see here. Volume two. Uh, no, it's not in volume two. I know it's let's... not in volume one. The only ones I got is the volume three. 
Uh, well, maybe that's it then, because that's the only. I've got. No, it's not in three either. Well, let's see. I've got the uh, first one. Let me just take a look. It's well, at any rate, it's in one of these, and uh, it's interesting that he pointed out the things about how people use it wrong. Because mm-hmm. I think I probably use it wrong. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some bad misses in there that are just there's there's some stuff that's that's kind of over the top, and I, I've tended to not take it quite that far. But, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, we talked about before what it takes to actually get a critical hit or a critical miss, and it shouldn't be as simple as 1 in 20, right, guys? Right, exactly. So, I guess if you can, if you make it hard enough to get that crit, then if you want to have that kind of fun and have somebody's arm come off, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, yeah. I always played it that a natural 20 is a crit, and natural 1 is a is a fumble. That's yeah. How I did yeah. It. Honestly, that's how I did it too. But it just got to the point where it was happening too much. Oh, well, you know that happens. <laughs> and you just got to remember it, that it goes both ways. Well, exactly. I don't think five percent of the time, one out of every twenty hits should be double damage or take your arm off or poke your own eye out with your sword when you're a fifteenth level fighter. I don't know. Fifteenth <laughs> level fighter poking his own eye out one out of every twenty swings seems a little bit too much for me. Wow, yeah, we argued about this in the past. We don't need to rehash the arguments again about true, those, true, so. true. So, uh, oh, but let's I, do it. Like let's go. <laughs> I like his perspective. Yes, definitely. Yes. All right, we got uh, we have two emails this week. One comes from BJ, and uh, he actually he wrote four emails, but I'm going to condense them all into one. Because okay. they're pretty much the same thing. He said how much he loves the show. He found the show, and it's inspired him to reopen up his box of old-school gaming that he hasn't opened up since, I think, 2002. And he actually sent us a link to a YouTube video of him at his office, of all places, <laughs> opening up the box that he hasn't opened in, as he called, from his garage of holding. Yeah, and, garage I, of holding. Yeah, garage of holding. I like it. And, I remember watching that video. I'm like, doesn't look like his house. That looks like a like yeah. a conference room. Yeah, that's what, that's what I said. I'm like, nice. He's doing it in his office conference room. Nice. So you guys can look at that too. Uh, Matt will put the link in the show notes. It's a YouTube video. It's nice. He uh, has a great shot of everything on the table, and he goes over it and some whatever historical value you know to him. Some of the things he's like, I don't even remember buying this. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta. We've gotta. If it's okay with him. Uh, link that from the embed that in the site i'd love to have that up there i don't yeah he gave it to us so i don't think he had a problem with that well i just thought it was really cool that we actually inspired someone to get back into to gaming definitely podcast that's like wow we're making an impact <laughs> making a difference one. making a difference helping making a difference time. helping to help right. us all right and our last email comes in from brad uh Writes, I've never DM much before. I'd like some tips, advice on how you guys keep all your DM material organized. What? During a game. In particular, during the Book of Sorrows, which I really enjoy, Vince. Thank you. One episode in particular where the pumpkin satyrs. <laughs> awesome. Were, <laughs> yes, I made up pumpkin satyrs. We're attacking Love the party it. in the forest. The party asked about positioning of their characters and the enemies. And the enemies. And Vince seemed to really have it nailed down where everybody was. I did. Okay, cool, thanks. I think I heard him say he was drawing... Oh, yes. 
he was drawing everything out like a sports book. I had a little, I took a tip from you, Jason, took a little dry erase board. Oh, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. I bought it at uh, Staples. It was like maybe like, I don't know, five or six inches. Mm-hmm. And I was putting X's and O's for the bidding. <laughs> I was doing a Madden oh, cool. thing. Yeah, I was doing like a Madden thing. Cool. So that's and what then I he goes up there and then boom, he gets hit by the ogre. Yeah. <laughs> John Madden style it, right? Some other questions he has. Do you do you draw positions for every battle? It seemed pretty detailed. No, I didn't do for every battle. Some of them I did. And how many other sheets are you using to keep track of everything, such as monsters, hit points, initiative segments, and rounds, etc.? What are your methods for keeping things organized? I'm very unorganized. <laughs> I have things on post-its and little sheets of paper as I write them down at work and shove them into my pocket so I remember them for later on. And I just lay them all out during the show, so. Dude, you just let out all your secrets. Now all your players are going to like, what? <laughs> oh, I, the post-its and index cards are a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I told yeah, you, I, I, I gave away my secret for the Bosar already. 90% of it's all on the fly DMing, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, post-its are an absolute tool of the trade because it's really easy to uh, put them up in front of you. When when I'm doing the Skype games, I have a lot of post-its on the wall in front of me just kind of reminding myself of, for one thing, who's who and what their characters can basically do so I can just look up really quickly and see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- as far as keeping them in, keeping track of the things in the battle, when I got back into AD&D after all those years away, like the first games that I was running, I literally filled up this huge backpack with like everything. Yeah. You know, I had every book, I had every uh, notebook I could think of. I must have just overprepared like crazy for that. And it was a mess because, you know, I'm trying to find stuff on the table and I had way too much stuff with me. And now I've gotten it down to the point where I, even though I at one point had set up a lot of really organized things, really it's just kind of have a big blank notebook and just kind of write the stuff as you're going and flip back quickly and you find it pretty quickly. Mm. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I keep track of monsters, hit points and stuff like that on the like little scraps of paper and initiative is, you Mm. know, well, you can remember initiative. I don't really, the segments around, I'm not really big on that. So that doesn't really happen much in my game. So. No, I still like my, I still like my, since I do care a little bit differently about them. Uh, I still like having my segment sheets, yeah, yeah. so I can just kind of mark them off. Because I'm, I'm the one thing I think is important, at least uh, for my game, is keeping track of time. So I like checking off. I've got just a ruled paper where I'm actually checking the time off as it goes, so I know when it's morning or afternoon or evening. I've done the, the time thing, but I've done it in my head while the players are talking, and they know when I'm doing it because I'm very silent. And right, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing one of these. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Tick, mm-hmm, tick, tick, and they know I'm yep. counting down. So, yeah, yeah. The positioning, though, I mean, that's where the battle mats can come in handy if you're playing uh, in person. I think that's where I like to pull the miniatures out is for positioning. Yeah. Uh, but I've also used when we've played at the office before. Like, if we just go in and play in a conference room, we will use the whiteboards on the wall to draw what's going on in the map. And that actually works really well. People really dig that. Mm-hmm. I think I told you uh, one of the advantages I have is at my friend's house, he made our gaming table with the, the, the top of the table is an old chalkboard. And he took the mm. time with a Sharpie and made a one inch grid on top of it. So our plane surface is the grid paper basically. So if we, want to do, 
yeah is it works fantastic and um yeah if we ever have to do something with combat that's something a little more abstract something that people aren't really sure of yeah we'll you know grab the chalk and you know and put it right out there i guess some of the other things like i do for preparation i think i started like you jason i brought like every book known in my repertoire to the yep. game at first when i f- really started uh g uh dming um because years past i was more i played more than i dm'd but now i'm i'm the primary dm of our group at least one of the primaries but i've gotten to the point now where it's like i'll just bring a player's handbook dm's guide and and my like i'm a i use a lot of already written modules i'll bring the adventure and and some notes that i've written down yeah because i i always tinker with pre-packaged adventures i mean i don't usually run them as is i'm always tweaking them out so i always make notes yeah if not like you guys do sticky notes i'll have like a notebook thing of paper and i'll jot some notes down i might even like transcribe it over into word and print it out later so i can read says sometimes i can't read the chicken scratch i write (laughs) so i'll do that and like for encounters um if i have to if like i said if it from a pre-published adventure i will if i change some things i'll like put down the you know the hit dice the armor class hit points the number of attacks and damage it does you know on a sheet of paper so yeah i mean putting that's all done nice yeah and and that's all done beforehand you know you know spend a couple hours doing that and yeah, if I mean, you that's... are using, yeah, if you are using a pre-published adventure, you know, make sure you read through it and understand it the best you can, and then you know, make whatever notes you can. I mean, yeah, that's definitely where the index cards come in handy. You know, if, yeah. if you can put your monsters on an index card so that you can make notes around the card and everything. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I love post-its and index cards. They're just the best. The index cards. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So. All right. Well. If you want to write in, rfistaff at gmail.com, or if you want to leave a voicemail, 570-865-4210, the RFI hotline. Hotline. That's right, where kobolds are standing by to take your message. Kobolds? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll head into uh, Table Matters. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, we like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, uh, this week on Table Manners, we're going to talk about just an interesting thing, uh, again, on combat. And this time, uh, we're going to talk about blind fighting. You know, fighting if you're somehow you can't see. Yeah. So... And, uh, you know, if I have any rules or anybody else has any, or if there's any official ones. As far as I know, there uh, isn't any official rules in the Dungeon Master's Guide on blind fighting. I I looked through it in the whole combat section. I couldn't find a thing. Uh, so, keeping that in mind, mm-hmm. uh, I just went to, with my gut, and thought, well, it's similar to fighting in Total Darkness. So why don't you use the rules yeah. for total darkness? And that's what I kind of use anyway. It's a I think fighting in total darkness is a minus four to hit. So I would say those that would probably your 
your best way to go. I mean, yeah, it could be. Yeah, not much else I can really think of if there's any other rules. I don't use anything special. I think that's a good um I think that's a good rule to go by. I think this also shows uh the versatility of the rules mm-hmm. where there's no specific rule for blind fighting, but uh at least uh you have um something that seems similar and you could go with that. Right. Jason, do you so, have yeah, any I mean, rules? Use your common sense, like you say. Um, I, I totally would agree that that uh, total darkness is the same as blindness because it's it's darkness, right? You can't see yeah. anything. But it's always bothered me that minus four was all it was. I mean, I can understand uh-huh. that if you're in really close quarters punching and stabbing, but uh, if there's any other mitigating factors, I, I actually raise it higher. You know, so if there's if it's a larger space and there's room for the other guy to get out of the way and he can and he is also he's able to see and you're not i mean it could eventually reach the point where you're going to have maybe you can hit on a one or a two because it's just going to be so ridiculously lucky to get it maybe but even I'm, give I'm totally your, down, so just go for common sense yeah. well actually, maybe even give the opponent uh, a bonus to hit you because being bl- not only are you trying to attack but you're trying to defend and you can't see where they're coming from Oh, so, yeah, your armor class is going to So your armor class basically. might yeah. drop proportionally as well. Maybe there's a minus four to your armor class or something. Just throwing a number out there. Well, you know? the great Joe DM came up with a method. <gasps> <laughs> oh, yeah. The great Joe. <laughs> wow, we should have like a bumper for that or something. <laughs> <laughs> he actually came up with a method because he always liked to mess with our senses and everything. And he always said, well, uh-huh. if someone that goes blind that is not used to it will lose one of their senses and lose their equilibrium mostly. So he used to make us roll dexterity checks when swiping attacks and everything to see if we were able to stay on our feet because you might not be able to, you know, there could be like a rock on the ground or a stick, or if you're in a dungeon, maybe a piece of a pile of dirt or something that you stepping over dead bodies. Yeah. Or tripping over a dead body or, you know, and he used to be big on making us hit each other because we couldn't see anything. Who wouldn't? Yeah. So he would give us a 3D6 uh, dexterity check. That's what we used to call friendly fire. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not so friendly. He used to do the same thing for, like, if you were uh, if your ears got blown out or something. Oh, okay. Because it's hard to maneuver around when you don't have that ear, inner ear thing going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Boy. I like Joe GM more and more I hear about him. <laughs> He's always coming up with rules for things. That's... Devious. And now I don't know where he is, Jason. Sorry. <laughs> we must hunt for him. So anybody else have any ideas for you know fighting blind, blind fighting, uh let us know here on RFI Podcast. And anybody else got anything on that? We'll uh move on to game mechanics. You think I'm mad? Perhaps I am. What are you, a wizard, a genius? Darn. A perfectly good brain wasted. Game mechanics. All right, so game mechanics. And today we're going to talk about jumping. And uh, jumping for non-acrobats. So if you play in your campaign with the thief acrobat as a character class, then you've already got some rules Mm. around that class and how they can jump. If you go back to the Unearthed Arcana, Arcana, however you pronounce it, book. Um, but what we're going to talk about is what do you do if 
you are playing a regular character and you want to know how far that person that uh, character can jump. Mm. So uh, there are some rules that I've always played with, which come out of Dragon Magazine. Uh, how do you guys do? You guys use the Dragon Magazine rules, or have you created house rules? Have you approached it? Nick, yes. ahead. You go first. Oh, okay. Me? Yeah, okay. you. Uh, uh. You didn't do well, anything. Nothing. Huh? <laughs> Next <laughs> check. I got nothing. No, you know what? I, you know, I really don't know. I would say, I guess the average player can jump over a ten foot pit. Wow! Really? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Well, 10 feet's not too far, really. I, you know, um, before this show, I wanted to kind of reacquaint myself with what people could actually do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Jesse Owens, that's a pretty good standard for a person that can jump really far since he held the world yeah. record for so long. Yeah. Uh, his world record was just shy of 30 feet. Whoa. And now that's a wow. running jump, you know, running long jump, really amazing long jump. And then I found a kid on YouTube who was like 10 years old showing him doing a 12-foot jump in front of his little brother. Wow. So so the 10-foot the jump, I mean, it was really running and getting going. So the 10-foot jump's not too unreasonable. Um, but what's great is, uh, you know, sometimes stuff that comes in Dragon Magazine can be a little complex. Sometimes it's needlessly charted out. And sometimes it just hits the sweet spot where you really think that should have been in the DM's guide to begin with. This is one of those that should have been in the DM's guide to begin with. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Innes this, did a uh, thing called Short Hops and Big Drops in Dragon 93. And uh, he introduced a mechanic called the jump number. And jump a jump number. number, exactly. So it's, it's, it's a base. And your jump number says how many feet you can jump in just a normal, uh, you know, not you don't have a big run. You, you're just... Uh, uh, getting um, not a standing, I guess a standing jump. You know, just you've got to jump over something. You don't have room to get a run up for it. How far can you go? So that's your that's your base kind of jump number. And then if you have a running start, you can double it. If you are trying to do a high jump or a backwards jump, uh, maybe you half it. And the way he figures it is pretty straightforward. Uh, your your jump number is a combination of your strength and your dexterity, and it can be anywhere from three to twelve. And he has a little chart here. So let's say you're you know pretty average, and you've got a combined strength and dexterity of eighteen or nineteen. You get a mm-hmm. jump number of six. So that means you can jump six feet in just sort of a normal standing jump. If you got a good run up, you could jump twelve feet, um, etc. And it goes all the way up to a really, really uh, great character. It actually goes all the way up to a combined of 42 or 43. But let's go with a 36. So a, thir- a combined 36, that means 18 in both strength and dexterity, okay. gets a jump number of 10 and a half. So from, like you were just saying, Nick, from a standing, you know, that, that extraordinary human can jump 10 and a half feet from a standing start. Wow. And from a run-up, can jump over 20 feet. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, and then there's all these little things you can do to modify it. And if you just want to use common sense, you don't have to be going back to the table all the time, but if you'd like to have the table in front of you, you can have things such as a slippery surface takes one point away from your jump number. An unstable, like a shaky rock or something, takes two away. 
Um, if you're jumping at an elevation, if you're jumping to a higher ground, you take away a half for each um, half foot of elevation. And if you're jumping okay. down, you add uh, plus one for every 10 feet of difference. So if you've got a 10 foot drop, you can jump an extra foot. Oh. Uh, and then there's character uh, class and race adjustments as well. So a monk gets a plus one, whereas a magic user gets minus a half. Um, a a, a half-elf gets a bonus, whereas a halfling gets a, a, a penalty because they have stubby little legs. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. We yeah, and you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You could punt them across. You could punt them. Yeah. There's <laughs> probably... Toss, dwarf tossing, don't do it. Yeah, that's how Mr. <laughs> T got famous, but that doesn't mean that you should. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, there's other things you can you can give yourself uh, if you want to push yourself a little bit. He even puts in a chart giving you a lower chance of success if you want to add a little extra jump. So if you need that one extra jump number, then you have a thirty percent chance of success. So if you try right. to jump, you know, one more than you normally could, then you can roll and see if you can make it. Um, I've always used that system. It's actually even simpler than it sounds. I know I just went into a lot of different numbers, and they sound more difficult when you're explaining them than when you're looking at them. Uh, but it's always been a pretty straightforward thing. People feel like they're dealt with fairly in that. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it gives you some kind of chance. It gives. It makes sense that why the uh, tall human can jump farther than the short halfling. Sure. Wow. And that was in Dragon Issue number 93? Yeah, number 93. I'm going to have to look that yeah. one up. I don't remember that, but I'm going to have to look Yeah, it it's again. really well written. He goes into examples and everything so you can sort of exa- uh, you know, imagine it. He tells you how to deal with uh, uh, extraordinary strength, you know, with the 18 double zero and that type of stuff. Um, all those things. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. And I think it should have been in the DM's guide. I'm surprised that it didn't make it into uh, Unearthed Arcana. But yeah. uh, it's it's definitely one to to go back and use, or at least a wilderness survival guide or something. Yeah, Some it might reason. have. You know, I don't know the survival guides well enough. It it very well may have. That oh may have. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know those either. I don't. Use <laughs> now those. that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should go and look. Jumping page thirty nine. Oh, if this is in here, I'm just going to be. <laughs> so is it in the wilderness uh, or engineers? No, it's in the wilderness guide. I'm looking at it right now. It's not. It's okay. It's it's not that system. It's uh, like this a one actually. Um, it's it's jumping ability. It's just takes the level of the character, um, and so for example, a tenth level character gets a one d six plus two for a standing jump and a one d six plus five for a broad jump, and then doesn't really get into a lot of details about other things. It's actually not that good of a system. No, that really doesn't sound yeah. great. Yeah, why would you? Why would you suddenly? No, that's silly. I don't think level should come into it. No. <laughs> no, I've always no. just you. You can jump the standard ten feet, and then anything over that, I give them a dexterity check. And depending on what they're wearing, yeah. if they're wearing like plate mail, obviously they're gonna have to take it off, or they're gonna sink down. <laughs> yeah, you know that reminds me of the example that uh, Frank Metzer gave when somebody was asking him about. Uh, how systems were run, and he said, we just use the, you know, he would always say, we use the common sense that if you fall in the river with full plate mail on, you will drown. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, but sometimes you need to have a few numbers, and I, you know me, I love charts, and this is a really good one. Cool. Yeah, definitely. 
So that's how so we do it. <laughs> yep. Anybody else have a, have a, a different way of doing it? Let us know. Um, and if anybody else, if anybody plays an acrobat, let us know. I've never played an acrobat. Yeah. You guys? Deep acrobats. No. Well, I, I don't know of anybody who's played one. Played. Sounds like a good future show. Yeah. Definitely. Could be. Next week. How about that? Maybe so. <laughs> Long pause meaning no. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we'll head into the Creature Feature Theater next. Creature, creature, feature, feature, theater, theater, theater. All right, here we are in Creature Feature Theater, and this week we're going back to a, a good old standby, the Fiend Folio. I love this monster. And, yeah, I think it's, I read through it, short but sweet, but really cool monster, the Edder Cap. And the Edder Cap is, come from the description, medium-sized creature, biped, uh, very long arms, protruding pot belly, mm-hmm. short legs <laughs> and hairy skin, clawed hands, uh, two poison fangs. I they totally saw this guy in Brooklyn the other day. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Cutting, cruel, and treacherous. All right. He, uh, two, three attacks per round, uh, two claws, and a bite. Um, one of the interesting things about this creature mm-hmm. is it's, I guess, um, part arachnid because mm-hmm. in a gland near its anus, there is uh, it's a silk gland, and it produces a thin, very tough, silvery cord. Which, Why not? Uh, yeah. So it can make lariats, nets, garrots, trip wires, and so on. <laughs> yeah. I like this creature because it can... <laughs> Shut up. I like this You're creature because it can... You're drink that, aren't you? Yeah. Uh... I'm just imagining how much I don't want to get caught in that thing. Yeah. So... I can see these creatures riding spiders. Oh, yeah. Because it says, uh, Edercap's going along well with all forms of spiders. So... Using this creature, oh yeah, definitely going to be in, in league with various types of spiders. I can see them like corralling these things up, using them as guard dogs. So, what was that other creature that we that we ran into on a creature feature that hang out with spiders? Hmm. I've completely forgotten now. It's some type of a guardian, I think. Oh, was that the one from the Oriental Adventures? No, that was an actual, that was an actual spider. That was that goblin. Uh, that was a goblin spider, which was nasty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but so the poisonous bite too. I mean, those always are a nasty thing to get hit with. Well, kind of the let them punch above is, their weight a bit. A funny thing is, when you look it up, there's no real poison damage, but I guess the damage for its one to eight points damage is the poison bite. Yeah, it says one to yeah. one to eight so, poison damage. So. The fangs themselves don't really give the Dana. It's just, it's the uh, poison. Well, at least it's right. not like a large spider one. It's just like save or you're dead. That's pretty much it. Hey, that's that's <laughs> Gygax there. Save or die, my friend. <laughs> just like just like the wonderful podcast, Save or Die, which you can find. At, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> cheap plug, well, right? <laughs> cheap plug. But you know what? Another way I was thinking about this is kind of like using uh, larger giant spiders as uh, kind of like guard dogs. But I was thinking, gee, spiders. Well, they could use the spiders to chase people into like a certain cave, 
and then jump down behind them and like attack with the spiders hand in well, hand. I'm just so. thinking of what else kind of like spiders, you know, associated with spiders. Rats. The drow. Yeah, the drow. Wolf. I could see these guys like, you know, kind of being used as, I don't know, grunts for the drow. Working in conjunction with worshippers of Lolf. That makes you know? sense. Yeah, I mean they're they're could, they're I evil. Could... They're low intelligence, so they're going to be easily manipulated by the drow. Yes, yeah. I, could, I could see them in hoods going into a village, stealing little children and bringing them to the the Spider Queen as sacrifices. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you could build. I could, there's a good plot hook right there. Village, small town. Children are disappearing in the middle of the night, and all that's found left are little strands of spider webs all over their rooms. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe leading back to a lair of Ettercaps and Spider. Maybe Drower involved, Worshippers of Loth there. Could be a very good plot hook, good uh, little adventure there. So, yeah, I can see those being used in that capacity. Absolutely. Have you ever used them? Have I ever used them? I don't recall uh, any time soon, but you know what? I'm thinking about it. I could see them being used in my campaign. I'm running right now. Yeah. Definitely use them in the future. I've run into I them. Think, I've just never used them. Yeah. I could see, I think these work best working in conjunction with other creatures on their own. Not eh, so bad. No, but I just kind of, I just, you know, I just cannot get past the fact, you know, they got to be working with like spiders or other, you know, creatures are associated with arachnids. Well, you know, the other thing, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't go into a lot of details about things like whether they're nocturnal or you know, diurnal or whatever. They really, they seem like such boogeyman to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're absolutely the thing that you imagine coming out of the closet when you're a kid. I, uh, I think I would make them nocturnal as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know the, and, they they just seem ideal for frightening small children. Yes, and they like to set the traps of uh, various types by these by the uh, silk webs that they make. So expect a lot no, of like uh, you know trip ropes and so on when you go into their lair. Yeah, I think it's perfect for what you're talking about with them uh, abducting the children of the village. You know, they come at night and the children are talking about seeing the Edder caps, but the adults don't believe them and they think something else is going on. And, yeah. and the kids your are party. just saying, the kids are saying it's the boogeyman. Or, yeah. Oh, even, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Slender Man. Yeah. Uh, Slender Man. <laughs> Slender Man. They look kind of gangly, do they not? Yes. From the from the picture there, kind of gangly yeah. looking. Almost if anybody remembers that Slender Man mythos, so you can look. At yeah, it yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, Actually, yeah, no, we had him on the show. Actually, looking yeah. at them, it reminds me of that movie, that M Night Shyamalan movie, like Village of the Damned. Uh huh. Remember the village? Uh, is it the village or village? I'm not sure what it was. I, it's the village. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were using these these creatures in hoods to scare the people from yes. leaving this little village. Because uh-huh, outside was everybody yeah. in the village. Yeah. And at night, this creature would come out in a hooded robe and like stalk through the village, and everyone would hide from them. Oh, that would be good. Yes. Yes. Bad movie though, but you know. Yeah. All right. Oh, I just looked at it. it was it was our uh, Halloween issue. That's where we had the Slender Man. Yes. Slender Man. So the kids in the village are saying, "The Slender Man's gonna come and get you." The Slender Man. <laughs> 
and their editor caps with their spider minions working for like the drow and lol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we'll be back right after this. The Dragon's Horde. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I lost my show notes. Did you nod off? <laughs> oh, so what? Yeah. This is all being recorded, so keep going. Uh, so the show. <laughs> the Dragon's Horde is where we are now, and we are going to see the Jewel of Attacks. Ow, ow, and, ow. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the funny thing is I, I've never used the Jewel of Attacks before, and when I went and looked it up, it reminded me of this song from the 50s called The Thing, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. Uh, but let's look at the Jewel of Attacks, first of all. I wasn't familiar with it. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love going back into these parts of the DM's Guide, this book that we all think that we've read a hundred times and know back and forwards, and then you find something in the treasure section that you just never saw before. Yeah, yeah you just never paid attention to it or something. So this is a this is a gleaming gem that radiates magic, and it can appear as any gem that you want it to be as the DM. Uh, it appears as a very valuable gem, but it's cursed. Dun, Our favorite dun, kind of treasure, uh, cursed yes. treasure. Uh, it brings one hundred percent greater likelihood of encountering wandering monsters, and one hundred percent greater likelihood of pursuit when monsters are encountered mm-hmm. and the party seeks to evade them by flight. Once picked up, the Jewel of Attacks will always magically return to its finder, secreting itself in a pouch, bag, pack, pocket, etc. Use your own imagination for etc. until a remove curse spell or an atonement is cast upon him or her. This is the nightmare of every player. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. Unless they want to rack up a lot of experience points and they hope they'll survive. Oh, they can rack up a lot of experience points until about the fourth round with a wandering monster every time. Yeah, it's cumulative. I don't know if you so I don't know if you guys ever heard this song called "The Thing." It was by Phil Harris. My my granddad used to love to sing this song because it was just so funny, and it was about a thing called the boom boom boom. And it, it, it sings about this guy. It says, you know, while I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, ooh, I discovered a right before my eyes. Ooh, I discovered a right before my eyes. And for the rest of the song, he's going around trying to give it to people, and he's trying to, you know, he takes it into a shop to sell it, and he gets chased out of there, and the cops <laughs> chase him because, like, why are you carrying this thing? And he shows it to his wife, and she kicks him out of the house, and she says, you know, don't come back with that thing. And he tries to give it to a hobo on the street who won't take it, and he wanders for the rest of his life, unable to get rid of this until he goes to heaven, comes to the pearly gates, and St. Peter himself says, you can take that boom, boom, boom right down below. <laughs> he can never in the song. He never gets rid of it his whole life. I loved oh that song gosh. as a kid because I was like, Cute. "What is this thing?" Yeah, and what is it? Just totally. Yeah, it totally reminds wow. me of that. Oh my gosh, this thing it's is a fun song. Look it up; it's great. Yeah, I, you know, reminds this, me. Of, sorry, 
No, it reminds you of what? It, that reminds me that that song reminds me of an independent film that I saw like last year. It was called The Devil's Tree, or the, no, The Devil's yeah, Twig. I... And these people were selling these pieces of Devil's Tree over the internet. And when you when you got it, it was supposed to promise you power and prosperity, but when you got it, it was actually cursed. And what happened was it would drive you insane to the point that you want to kill yourself. And what you had to get rid of it, you had to sell it to somebody else. Oh, cute. Oh. Yeah, so it was kind of scary because they tried doing that. It was selling it all through e- like this fake eBay thing they had on the, the independent film, but it was really good. So it reminds oh, me of that. Wow, what's the movie called? Yeah, I believe it's called something like The Devil's Twig or The Devil's Tree. It was really cool. Yeah. Got to look that up. It's like so, 30-minute yeah. yeah, independent it, film. Okay. It's 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 a great theme, you know, that just kind of it's a trope that kind of recurs this idea of something that you can't get rid of and that's it's very attractive. I like the I like the attack, the jewel of attack for that reason. This jewel of attacks, it's like the Pied Piper thing from hell. <laughs> it really I mean, is. I mean, you look at it, it's like two ways this could totally mess with your adventuring party. One, if you're just trying to get to the dungeon wherever it is and you find this on the way there and you don't even know what it is <laughs> between point a where you find this thing and point b where you finally have to get to the adventure every single day is going to have a 100 percent of a random encounter i think Yikes. there ought to be some clues uh when you find this thing i think if i were putting this in a dungeon i would almost always have it in the clutches of a dead adventurer and a lot of dead bodies around them Yes. <laughs> of various types. Yeah. Various types, you know? I, that's what I'm thinking, you know? Because in, in, when you're in the, uh, what is it? I get, it says uh, 100% likely uh, likelihood of pursuit when monsters are encountered. So if you were in a, quote, unquote, dungeon, dungeon environment, you go to the first encounter. If you're trying to run away, they're going to pursue you. You get to the next one, they're going to pursue you, and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> So, so you have a train yeah. going behind you. Yeah. It's a trail and, of monsters. Yeah. Like I said, Pied Piper from hell. So <laughs> we used to do that in, in uh, multiplayer online games, do a train. We used to run through the dungeon and gather up as many monsters because they always followed you. So you just yeah, have the like conga line of death. Yeah. And you would just run through a party <laughs> that's just standing there. You're like, ha ha. And it'd be like 30 <laughs> monsters. just. <laughs> yeah, we used to do the thing in Diablo where we would find all the monsters, <laughs> run away, and then get in a choke point, and then yeah, hack away the conga light of death. Yeah. Dun, yeah dun, 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 at least dun, you were ready splat. for that. You were ready for that. Unlike the other people who were just like, huh? Turn okay. around, they see 30 monsters heading their way. <laughs> it's for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Jewel of Attacks. Use it or lose it. You wish you, you wish it. you could lose it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You know, it doesn't even say um, curse. It says remove curse and atonement to get rid of. It doesn't say wish, but I'm sure. I would assume if you. I would think so. Yeah, I would think a wish would get rid of it too. So, All right. So we'll head into the uh, the outro. Ooh, one of those electronic voting deals. So the ten foot pole for this week. Yeah, I put up this uh, just this morning uh, and got a couple yes, votes so yes. far. <laughs> on average, how many hours a week do you spend on gaming? Now, the options we have are, and then you guys can tell me what you vote for, only a few hours when I game. Pretty much you only worry about gaming when you game. Or about 10 hours because you have to have time to prep for the game. Or none, I just read and never play. 
<laughs> and because there's One tons vote of vote already there. Yeah, a lot of people that do that. And uh, hey, books are fun, anyways. You know, read all you want, and eventually you'll game. Yes. Yeah. Or the last option: I eat and live AD and D one one e every waking moment. I am thinking about the game I love. What'd That's you vote me. for, <laughs> Nick? What'd you vote for? Uh, after reading through it, I I actually voted for the first one only a few hours when I game, but it actually I should have voted for about ten hours half to prep for the game. That's what I should have voted for. So yeah, I can't switch my vote, but that's all right. Yeah, I voted so. for uh, oh, ten hours. Jason, what about you? Yeah, I voted for ten hours too because uh, it's true. Yeah. So that's our poll. Go in and vote, and uh, you can leave some comments on the forum. And I have to thank, uh, again, Last for posting up all our stuff on the forums for feedback for people to write in. Uh, she's been taking the charge on the notes and putting them up there. Yay. Like the wonderful forum administrator she's being, or moderator, Excellent. I say. Yes. And, thank uh, you, Last. I haven't seen much of Nick on there with his big seven posts. And Jason, Raise that already, number. Yeah, Jason's stuck at 54. <laughs> I wouldn't talk, pal. <laughs> Maybe I I'll had get a up limit. to ten this week. I don't know. Oh, it's a right. deck of cards and two jokers. Now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so as we uh, head down the trail of going awayness, what are your plans yes, for this week? That trail. Yes. Any plans for this week? Yes. Lots of plans. <laughs> Lots of plans. <laughs> oh, you want to know what they are? Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as gaming situation, uh, I'm going to see about. Uh, this Blackstone's vault thing. See about uh, yeah. Getting getting, more, I think you need a few more out there. Rough up that Blackstone guy and get some more. Yeah. Uh, he tends to throw you in the Otiag chamber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll we'll call it a night. And uh, what was that from the voicemail we wanted to put at the end of the podcast? Uh, crits or hits or something? <laughs> crits oh, and hits. No. When no. he said uh, for the win. Crits and hits for the win. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go and uh, play some Dead Rising two, hopefully, <laughs> on the Xbox. I'm having fun with that game. Leave me alone, and I'll keep it original and keep it old school. Good night. Night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>